Well, good morning, church. Glad you are here this morning. You know, I just got to say before we kind of move on a little bit, some of you may or may not know this, but about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight months ago, uh, we realized there's someone in our church who we love and adore that has got some hearing issues, and so we developed uh, through a team of people that are put together to for those that are hearing impaired. And um, in fact, we have about six or seven people that rotate through the songs and the message to sign uh, for anybody. And so if you know somebody, we've got a spot for them. But today, I, I'm just going to tell you the truth, man. I looked over, and that last song, we're singing, I'm Available, and I see one of our little kids, Candace Brantley, right over here, signing the song uh, to, to Katie about how we're available to the Lord. And I thought to myself, you know, we want to be a church that is surrounded and immersed in a culture. You can turn those lights back on, bro. You can turn those, there you go. Immersed in a culture where we are serving. And here we have, how old is Candace? Six, a six-year-old showing all of us, any of us, can be used by God, right? And so I don't know if Candace can hear us, but let's show Candace how much we love her and appreciate her. And she may have already gone back to the kids' area to avoid the preaching, but that's okay. So you're here. And so today we are going to continue in our series called No Other Gospel. We're in the book of Galatians. And if you remember from last week, I mean, it was such a powerful passage where Paul established some things, if you remember. He starts off by establishing that he's an apostle, that he is someone who has a divine message, and he is someone who speaks with divine authority. That's kind of what apostles did. And then as he did that, as he expressed himself as an apostle, he jumps right to the chase. And he jumps right to the moment of defining the very thing that the churches of Galatia were messing up. He defines what the gospel is. And if you remember, he said, here's the gospel. Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us. Period. That's it. That's the gospel. That Jesus gave himself, that he laid down his own life to pay for our sins to deliver us, to deliver us from the power of religion and to deliver us from the penalty of sin. That is the gospel. And Paul laid that out super clearly. And then he jumps into this after he lays that out and he says these words, I am so astonished that you are so quickly turning to another gospel. You remember that last week that he rebuked the church of Galatians, all these different churches saying, listen, here is the simple gospel. Here's the simple truth of the gospel. And when something, a pretender gospel came along, by the way, there's only one gospel. When a pretender gospel came along, you were so quick to jump ship. I am astonished, meaning I am blown away, I am heartbroken that you would abandon the true gospel for a false gospel. Do you remember him talking about that last week? But what is so powerful, what Paul said, was how he ended with verse 8 and 9. He said, anyone who preaches another gospel, and he includes himself, if I were to preach another gospel, or if an angel from heaven were to come and to preach another gospel, let them be accursed. And if you remember that Greek word, accursed means let them burn in where? Hell. It's okay to say that in church, by the way, okay? It's let them burn in hell. In other words, I am so moved that I, I so want you to know that if anybody, if it's an angel or even if it's me, and show up and preach any other gospel other than the gospel that Jesus has given us, May they burn in hell. Now, just quickly, if you're the church of Galatia, does Paul have your attention now? Yes. Should he have our attention? Yes. And so what the hope goal, what Paul was doing, was to remind them that the simple truth of the gospel is this. The gospel is not about man's performance. It's about God's grace. You believe that church? Say amen. 
It is. So if you have your Bibles, first, first, or Galatians chapter 1 is where we're going to be, and we're going to start reading. You don't have to stand today because there's a lot we're going to read, but we're going to pick up the passage in verse 10. Now, as you turn to Galatians 1, let me give you a little bit of background as we go into chapter 10. I mean, verse 10. Obviously, we know here that there has been those that are in the area of Galatia that are opposing Paul. They're opposing him, and they're talking about that he does not have a divine message, that he doesn't have divine authority. They are questioning his apostleship. And so there's these Judaizers, and what a Judaizer was, was a Jewish person who said they were a Christian, so to speak. They said they accepted Christ, but they still believed that to truly be saved, you had to keep the Mosaic law, and you, quite frankly, you had to be circumcised. So they would say, these Judaizers would say, yes, it's Jesus, but it's also plus obedience that leads to salvation. That is a false gospel, right, church? Amen. That's a false gospel. And these guys had permeated through the areas of Galatia, and they were saying this Paul who preaches a simple gospel, listen, he doesn't have divine authority. He doesn't have a divine message. What we're telling you is truth. And so Paul, knowing that, after he's laid the gauntlet down and he's rebuked this church, he does some really fascinating things. So in this passage, there's four things I want you to notice. And here's the first thing. The first thing Paul does is Paul gives a defense of himself. Knowing there's opposition, knowing there's accusers, Paul gives a defense of himself. And he really defends himself in two areas. Here's the first one, verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, this is pretty powerful. What Paul is saying is he gives a defense regarding his motives. So if you're taking notes, the defense he gives, first of all, is the defense regarding his motives. Here's what he says. Hey, who do you think I'm trying to please with this gospel? Who do you think I'm trying to please? Now, think about that for a moment. If you were trying to please man, would you not teach a gospel that said that if you perform better, God will love you more and accept you? Would that not be pleasing to man? Because that means if I work hard enough, I can earn it, right? And we all live in that world. Like your jobs, your salary, your income, your position is all based on performance-driven stuff, right? You earn that promotion. You earn that income. And so if we wanted to please man, if Paul wanted to please man, he would have preached a gospel that said Jesus plus performance. He says, listen, guys, who am I trying to please with this gospel? I'm not trying to please man. I'm trying to please one person. I, I'm trying to please an audience of one. And guess who the one is? It's God. And because I'm trying to please God, let know this, that my goal of my life is to serve him and him only. See, these guys had begin questioning Paul's motives, why he was doing this. And Paul just comes out and says, listen, I'm teaching a gospel. I'm preaching a gospel because I have one objective in life, to please God. He's the only one I seek to please. To please him and to bring honor and glory to his name, period and end of sentence. Now, why would this have been difficult for those Judaizers to hear? Because this would have been a knife into their gut. Because if he says to them, listen, I'm preaching the simple gospel because my goal is to please God, it would have forced them to ask the question, who are we trying to please? Right? Are you with me on that church? So if Paul says, in my simple gospel, that is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. If I'm preaching that and I'm living and preaching to please God, it would have forced the Judaizers, these false prophets to go, well, who are we trying to please? And what's the answer? Man. They're trying to preach a gospel that man would cling to and go, yeah, we like that. 
We like working for our salvation. We like earning the right to go to heaven. We like that. And it would have forced them to ask the question. It would also force them to ask the question, who are you living for? Are you living for him? Are you living for yourself? Now, I want you to hear me this morning. Anyone who preaches a gospel different than what Paul lays out here is not a servant of Christ. They are servant of the devil. Did you hear me say that this morning, church? Anyone who preaches the gospel says Jesus plus anything is not a servant of the Most High God. They are a servant of Satan, the devil, and they're trying to live a life that's pleasing to him, not to the Lord. Because if there's another gospel, which there's not, it's just Jesus plus nothing. Now, here's what it forces us to do. Who are you trying to please? As you live your life and as I live my life, who are we living to please? Are we trying to live to please those around us? Are we trying to live to please Jesus? Who are we living for? Are we living for the almighty dollar? Are we living to to, to, to increase our portfolio, to climb the corporate ladder? Are we living for ourselves, even our families? Are we living for the one who gave his life up for us? So this thing that Paul says to them is something that they would have had to question themselves, but it's a question we got to ask. Who are we seeking to please and who are we living for? So Paul defends his motives and says, listen, my motives are pure, man. I just want to please the Lord. But he also defends another area. Look at me in verse 11 and 12. He says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. He not only defends his motives, he defends the message. And here's what Paul says. Go back to what he says. Here's what he says. The message that I preached was not a message. It was not a message that I was taught. It was a message that was revealed to me. And by the way, the one who revealed the message to me is the one who the revelation is about, and it was Jesus. So Paul defends this motive he has, but he also defends his message. Listen, the message I got wasn't something I learned from Peter. It's not something I learned from John. The message I got, the gospel message, came from the one who's the object of the message. It was not taught to me. It was revealed to me by Jesus himself. Now, why is this important for Paul to do this? Because it lets the Christians in the area of Galatia know that this guy's motives were pure. This guy's message is pure. But ultimately what it does, it sends this truth to all these different churches, is that the gospel is about Jesus, and it's from Jesus. And if you add anything else to it, it's no longer the gospel. If you believe that, church, let me hear you say amen to that. Now, he goes on. He he starts with defending himself, and then he moves to something else. Now Paul shares his testimony. I love what Paul does here. He starts by giving this great defense of saying, hey, my motives are pure, my message is pure. Quite frankly, my message didn't come from me, it was revealed to me, and I just regurgitated what I got. That's it. So he goes from defending himself to sharing his testimony. And look what he does in verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently. We'll come back to that word. And tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond my own age among my people so extremely. Zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Here's what Paul says. You ready? 
Here's who I was before I met Jesus. Here's my story. Some of you know my story. I want you to know, I, I defended myself because my motives and my message is pure. But if you want to know more about me, here's my story. Here's who I was before Jesus. And I'm not telling you anything new. You already knew this. You knew that I was a rising star in Judaism. And if you were to study anything outside of the Bible, if you were to study Jewish history and historians, you would find out that this is a very powerful and true statement. Paul was quite frankly on the path to be in the upper echelon of the Jewish faith. He was on the path to be a part of the Sanhedrin. Paul was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. If there was something to be known about the law, Paul knew it. He was an expert in the field of Judaism. And not was he an expert in, the, in knowledge, he was an expert in activity. Paul did it all. Paul understood sacrifices. Paul understood how you approach God. Paul understood everything about Judaism. He says, I was a rising star and I was zealous. In other words, I was arrogant, man. I knew that I knew what I was talking about. Have you ever met somebody like that? Wow. Somebody's like, oh yeah. And you might be sitting beside them if you come up there. All right. Have you ever known someone that is an that, that, so the that thinks they're an expert in the field? Sure we have, haven't we? And you say something and they correct you because you're wrong and they're right, right? Paul was zealous. Paul knew Judaism. He says, listen, here's who I was before Jesus. Man, I was an up-and-coming star. I was one that the, the Jewish people looked at me and go, look at that Paul. Name was Saul. Look at Saul. Look at that Pharisee. This guy's got it all together. He knows it all. But did you pick up also what he said? My life before Jesus wasn't just me being a rising star. He also says, I was the chief persecutor of the church. And you pick up on the word he used there, the word violently. You know what that means? What does that mean? He was killing Christians. He wasn't just persecuting them verbally. He was literally chasing them down, tracking them down, and he was killing Christians. In fact, when he was converted in the book of Acts, he was on the way to Damascus to find Christians to kill them. Paul held the cloak of the one who would stone Stephen to death. I mean, he was a persecutor of Christians. He said, listen, here's who I used to be. I mean, I used to be this person who was growing in Judaism growing in, a, in a, a belief system that said, I must perform in order to be accepted. I mean, I was on the upper tier that I was more zealous. I grew faster. My, my, my speed and with which I grew in that was, was faster than my age was. And not only that, I was the chief persecutor of Christians, as if that was bragging rights, right, for, for him going, listen, I was the chief one who went out and destroyed and tried to, tried to completely silence the movement of Christianity. That was me. But that was before Jesus. And then look what he says next. I love this. Verse 15. But. Everybody circle that in your Bible if you've got it open. You know what that word but here means? Come on, you know what it means? It means there's a point, there's a, there's a moment where things shifted in his life. Now, this word but here probably refers to that Damascus moment. That moment on the road when everything changed for him. But look what he says here in verse 15. But. When he, who had sent me afar before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me. But. Paul says, here's who I was before Christ. But here's what God has done for me. And he uses three phrases that I want you to write down. The first thing he says, now go back to that verse if you would. He says, but he who set me apart. 
Part of Paul's story was that God had set him apart. That phrase, to set me apart, means to establish with a purpose. So God had given Paul a purpose. And he says here, before I was what? Before I was born. He says, listen, before I was ever on planet Earth, God had a purpose for this guy who was a rising star in Judaism, who's a guy who would kill Christians. God still had a plan for me. Now, why would I say that to you this morning? Because some of you think you're too far gone and God can't use you. And I'm telling you, you are wrong. Your sins and your failures and your disobedience can't be any greater than what Paul went through. He was killing Christians. But God had a plan for me before I was born. Now, why would Paul say that? He would tell these churches in Galatia, I want you to know that because of this. God set me apart. And you know why he set me apart? It wasn't because of my performance. It wasn't because of my religious activity. It wasn't because of my high level of morality. You know why he set me apart? Grace. Just because. So the fact he says before I was born would have been a reminder them that God didn't set you apart, Paul, because you lived this really moral life, because you lived this really religious life. He set you apart because, Paul, he loves you. This morning, do you believe God has set you apart this morning? Do you think God has a plan and a purpose for everybody's life in the room? Yes. Man, I hope you do, because he does. And listen, he had it even before you were born. He has a purpose for you. I don't care what rebellion you've lived through. I don't care how you've, you've blasphemed the name of God. God still has a purpose, and if God can use Paul, he can sure use you set you apart. And then he uses another phrase here to set us apart. He says, he called me. Go back to that verse in verse 15. But when he, talking about Jesus, who'd set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. This word called me, this phrase called me means to be invited. What did Jesus invite Paul to? What did he invite him to? He invited him to step from death to life. That was the invitation, to turn from darkness to the light, to go from a place in eternity apart from him in a place called hell to the hope of heaven. Paul says, listen, God has set me apart. God's had a purpose even before I was born, but there was a moment, there was a moment that he called me. There was a moment that he invited me to step out of death and to step into eternal life. Have you had that moment in your life? I mean, I was nine years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was vacation Bible school when I was nine years old, and I remember them sharing the stories and talking about Jesus. But I remember there was a moment, as the best I could at nine years old, that I understood that I was a sinner. And when they offered that invitation, there was a moment in my life that he invited me. And I said what we sang about a while ago. I said, yes, I'm available. Have you had that moment? See, I would contend for all of us in the room that one of the greatest tragedies any of us could ever face is we've gotten over that moment. That moment that we stepped from death into the life. That moment that he changed us from the inside out. That moment that our name is now written in the Lamb's book of life and God doesn't have a magic eraser. We are there. Our name is there. And one day, he's going to call roll. And is he going to call your name? Paul says, listen, God set me apart, but he called me. There was a moment he invited me into his story of eternal life. And I said, yes. And then there's a third phrase he used here. He says, verse 15, but he who has called, set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. 
This phrase is revealed his son to me. What was revealed? What was unveiled to Paul? The gospel of Jesus. What was unveiled to Paul on the road to Damascus? Jesus. Paul was going to kill Christians, and the physical Lord Jesus appeared to Paul, and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? See, Jesus opened his eyes. And maybe this morning, for some of you, Jesus is opening your eyes. And you're learning and you're realizing that acceptance and love from God doesn't come by performance. It doesn't come by earning it. It comes by grace. God's undeserved, unmerited favor and love for you apart from any performance. That's what it's about. Now, why would Paul share his testimony with this church? Because he wanted them to know, well, I have a pure motive and I have a pure message. I want you to know my story. Here's who I was before Christ, and here's what God has done for me. Why would he share that? Because he wanted them to know that the truth is this, that only the gospel can change you. Only the good news of Jesus can help you move from death to life. You can be the best person in the world. You can say, hey, listen, Doug, I believe that I'm a good person. Well, my first question would be this, what is your standard? Because if your standard is me, your bar is way low. If your standard is Drew, it's even lower. I mean, what is the standard? I got you back for two weeks ago, right? What is the standard for your goodness, right? What is that standard? Because our standard is who? Who's our standard? Jesus is our standard. The perfect son of God. And we compare our life to him. The one conclusion we come to is this. No one is good. No, not one. Because he's the standard. And maybe Jesus opened your eyes to that. And you need to know this morning, the truth is this, the gospel is the only thing that can change your life. And there's a third thing I want you to notice here, and that's that Paul reminds them of his mission. Look at me in verse 16, the last half. He says, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, for I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul says, listen, here is my mission in life, to preach the good news of Jesus. That phrase here literally means that wherever he goes, he was going to bring the gospel with him, that he was going to bring the good news with him. Do you know that that's your story too? That if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that we are called to be salt and light in a dark world. We are called to live in such a way that our lives point people to Jesus, not away from Jesus, right? See, Paul understood something that I hope we understand. Jesus saved him not to set but to share him. And the same thing's true for you and I. Jesus saved us, not so we could sit on these nice padded blue chairs and just consume and consume and consume. He saved us so that when we walk out those doors, we would share him with everybody that we encounter. See, Paul wanted this guys in Galatia to know we all have the same mission. And that mission is to share the gospel of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you're the Apostle Paul, and if you're the churches in Galatia, and you're reading this letter, it's a great reminder that here's this guy that's under a great deal of scrutiny. These Judaizers have come in and said, listen, hey man, you, you, are, you are not divine in authority. You don't speak with authority. You don't have a divine message. And they're questioning the apostleship of Paul. And Paul says, listen, let me just tell you something about me. My motives are pure, and so is my message, because it didn't come from me. Let me tell you my story. Here's who I was before Jesus. 
And here's who I've been since Jesus. Look what he's done for me. And because of that, I have a mission in my life. Look what I'm doing. Listen, I've been in jail. I've been in prison. I've been beaten. I've been abused. Why? Because there's one message worth sharing everywhere I go. And if you don't believe that, just read the book of Acts. Over and over and over again, he was rebuked and ridiculed and in prison for sharing this. Jesus came. He died for our sins to deliver us, save us, and rescue us. So if you're in the churches of Galatia, is there a part of you that now is going, maybe this guy is legit? Because did you hear anything in what he said that favored him being selfish in what he was doing? No. Did you hear anything in what he said that would make us think that this guy was building his life all about him? No. He said, listen, everything about me, my motives and my message is pure because it came from the Lord. Here's who I used to be. Here's who I am. I'm on mission. So you can say what you want to say, but I'm on mission. He saved me so that I might preach him to the Gentiles, to those that weren't Jews, to those that have been marginalized, ostracized, and left out. That's what God has called me to do. Now, I want, you know, why would Paul say this? Because the truth is this, is that for every believer in the room, if you are a follower of Jesus, we have the same mission that Paul had. Our mission is to share the gospel wherever we go. To take Jesus with us. Now, there's one more thing I want you to notice in the passage that maybe you've never seen before. And I want you to see how Paul's life influenced other people. Look at me in verse 17 through the end of the chapter. He says, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia, returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who is Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. In other words, if you don't believe me, I'm not lying here. I'm telling the truth. Then I, in verse 21, then I was into regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only, listen to this, they only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God. Why? Why? Come on, church. Why? Because of me. Paul's life influenced others. He said, hey, look, not everybody knew me. But there was a general knowledge that went around. People knew who I used to be. People knew who I became in Christ. And now... They are glorifying God because of me. He's not saying, look at me, how awesome I am. They're glorifying me. Why? Because Jesus simply changed me. And I want you to write this down. Here's the truth of that. The gospel in you can change those around you. The gospel that is in you, the good news of Jesus that you have received and turned from death into life, the gospel that is in you can change those around you. It did for Paul. So this morning, if we really want to live for the Lord, if we say, man, I, I want to live for you, Lord, in a, in a passionate way, we've got to take some things away from this passage. We've got to be reminded, there may be moments in your Christian faith that you've got to give a defense of yourself. I'm not talking about you bowing up, shouting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about giving a defense that your motives and your message are pure. Why? Because they didn't come from you. They're not your opinions. They're not your bias. It is a message that has come from the very word of God. There's going to be moments you've got to give a defense, and are you ready? There's moments that you're going to need to share your story of who you used to be and who you are now. Are you ready for that? 
There's going to be moments that you're going to have to call into question, is my focus on the mission that Paul's mission was, or has my mission become something else? Is my focus on sharing and taking Jesus everywhere I go, or is it not? And the last thing we're going to have to be aware of is that is my life leading people toward Jesus or away from Jesus? Now, come on, everybody look at me. Those are hard questions, aren't they? And those are hard. Because it causes us to evaluate some areas of our life that maybe we don't want to, we kind of want to leave untouched, undealt with. But if we're going to live for Christ, we've got to be willing to do the same things that Paul said. So if you're a believer this morning, I have some questions for you. What is your story? Do you know your story? Do you know your story before Christ and after Christ? Because some of you would have a story similar to mine, and you would say this to me. Well, Doug, I, got, I accepted Christ at a young age. I really don't have a life before Christ. Yes, you do. Now, I know you probably weren't like on crack cocaine and robbing banks at age eight, seven, eight years old. I know that, but there was still sin in your heart. There was still sin in your life. I mean, you lied a whole lot. I'm sure of that, right? You all were all about you. Do you know your story, church? Like if someone were to pin you as you walked out the door going, hey, you know, Marty, can you tell me your story? Could you tell them your story? Here's who I used to be. But here's what Jesus has done for me. And if you're a believer, hear me on this. Outside of the word of God, the greatest weapon you have in this world is your story. Do you know it? And if you don't, listen, if you don't, I would love to help you with it. I would love to sit down with you and talk with you because, listen, when you go out into the world, there's people that I've encountered, people that I've tried to share the gospel with, and you know what they do? They will tell me that, hey, this, Doug, this is truth for you, this book you talk about, but it's not truth for me. So you know what I do, plan B is? Well, I can't argue that because that's not a common denominator. So what I do is I tell them about my story. Here's what Jesus has done for me. And you know what they can't do? They can't deny my story. They can't argue my story. You know why? It's my story. They can't debate my story. But what my story does is it validates the truth of God's word. Church, do you know your story? Do you really know it? Could you write it down if you had to? Second thing is, are you on mission? Are you living your life in such a way that everywhere you go, you're taking Jesus with you to share him to anybody you come in contact with? Couldn't we all do a little bit better on that one? Are we on mission? And the third thing I want to ask you is this, is your life changing people toward Jesus or way? When people hear you, see you, watch your attitudes, hear your words, and watch your body language, are you pushing them toward Jesus or away from Jesus? So if you're like Doug in the room and is a believer, man, this is pretty convicting. And we've got to ask ourselves, do I know my story as a believer? Am I on mission? And am I leading people closer to Christ or away from Christ? And this morning, if you're here and you're like, man, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior, I just want to say this to you this morning. If you've never made the decision and you don't know that you have a relationship with Christ, Jesus wants to do for you the same thing he did for Paul. He wants to invite you to step from death to life this morning. You don't have to go out in the car and have a a Damascus Road experience. He's inviting you today. He brought you here today to invite you. You're not here because someone drug you. You're not here because you know you were blackmailed to be here. You were hogtied. You were drugged. You weren't here for those. You were here because God ordained you to be here this morning so that he could invite you to pass from death to life. And what will you say to that? Will you say, yes, I know that I'm a sinner. I surrender my life to Christ to be the boss and master. Or will you say, no, Thank you. What are you going to do this morning? Let's all stand if you would. Every head bowed.
Every eye closed. Let's just stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just stand together. And for those of us in the room that are believers, man, we got some really big questions to be asking. Do I know my story and could I share it with somebody? And you may feel shame in saying no, but let's figure it out. Let me help you. Let your small group leaders help you. Let's help each other go, you got a story. And listen, your story is worth telling. It doesn't matter how insignificant you feel like it is. It is your story, the story that God is invaded into your life and saved you and rescued you. It is a story worth sharing. So know your story. Second of all, believers, are you really on mission? Are you out there looking for opportunities to take Jesus with you and to bring him into the conversations? And the last of all, believers, if people were to look into your life, would they be drawn to him or away from him? So this morning, maybe you need to make a commitment. Maybe you need to make a commitment that, hey, I need to learn my story and be ready to share it. Maybe I need to make a commitment to really be on mission. Maybe I need to make a commitment to change my vocabulary, to change my actions, to change my attitude so when people see me, they see Jesus in me. And if you need to make any decisions, this altar is going to be open. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, he's inviting you into a story today. He brought you here. What will you say? Will you say yes to him or no thank you? But if you want to say yes to him, as you leave today, would you just grab my arm as you walk outside and say, Doug, today I, I need to know that I know Christ is my Savior. Today I want to receive him as Lord. And I'm telling you, if you will do that, it will not only change your life, it will change your eternity. So how the Lord is leading you, would we be faithful to respond? God, I love you. I thank you for this passage, Lord. I love the Lord, how, how you through your Holy Spirit led Paul in the midst of accusations, in the midst of opposition. Paul didn't step up on a soapbox and start arguing and disagreeing. He just simply laid it down and said, listen, you can say what you want to say, but I know that my message and my motives are pure because they come from the Lord. And I know who I used to be. And I know who I am in Jesus. And I know that I have a mission for my life. And it consumes me. And God, I pray as we look at that passage, we were able to see how Paul's life influenced others. And God, whether we believe it or not, would you remind us this morning that our lives are influencing somebody else. And either we're influencing them toward you or away from you. So God, whatever you want to do in the life of the believer today, God, I pray you would break us. I pray you would convict us. I pray you would challenge us. I pray you would help us ask the hard questions this morning and that we might make a new commitment to you. That we might go back to the sweetness of that moment when we said yes to you and it changed everything for us then. May it still be changing everything for us. And then God, I pray for that person who doesn't know you, that today... They would build their life and put their life on you, the rock, by surrendering to you today. So God, would you have your way with us? Would you just move in this place? And may we be faithful to respond to you. God, we love you. And to your name we pray. Amen.
this morning. This altar's open. Maybe you just need to come get along with God and make some real commitments about your story, your mission, your influence. But however God is working your life, let's not, let's not leave this morning going, ah, oh, it was all right. Do you believe God's word is active and true? Then that means it's got something to say to each and every one of us. And the question is, not do you understand it, but how you, will you respond to it? So if you need to, this altar's open as we sing and engage and step into the throne room of our creator this morning.